podcast bringing you information on the latest equestrian topics as well as providing you with tips and opinions from our celebrity guests brought to you by Keyflow feeds who are redefining equine nutrition and are home to multi award-winning feeds and specialist supplements including the ranges developed with the famous show jumping Whitaker brothers and eventing legend Sir Mark Todd you can follow Keyflow on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or reach them at keyflowfeeds.com. I am your host, Frankie Reed Warrillow, and you can also follow me or send me in any questions at my Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages, FRW Eventing, or on my website, frweventing.com. Today's Keyflow podcast is for anyone who has an interest in hunting. Joining me on today's show is our celebrity guest, Jamie Hawksfield, and I'm really excited about having Jamie on today because of his depth of knowledge in the hunting and wider equestrian world. I'll tell you a little bit more about Jamie in just a second, but firstly, in today's Keyflow podcast, with Jamie's help, I'm hoping to bring you the do's and don'ts of fox hunting here in the UK. Hunting Etiquette, Jamie's Guide to Visiting, How to Get a Horse Fit and Ready for the Season, and The Future of Hunting in the UK, as well as a few little extras. Now, Jamie, I'm just going to give the listeners an idea of your background. Um, I have found out that you were the master of the Marlborough College Beagles from 1969 to 1970, although you probably didn't want me to say those dates. <laughs> <laughs> well, just makes me feel rather old, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> and then in 1986, you founded the Equestrian Vision Company, which is the UK's only provider of specialist programming, such as providing the DVDs of the coverage from major equestrian events like badminton, Burley, last year's World Equestrian Games and so on. And alongside providing that coverage, they also produced documentaries such as the famous fox hunting film, which was actually produced back in 1987. And I thought that was quite relevant considering what we were talking about today. As well as this, you have also been the master of the Crawley and Horsham hunt in West Sussex from 2008 till 2013, just recently retiring. And you are, of course, the mastermind behind the World of the Horse Shopping Village, which can be found at Badminton and Burley. So, firstly, Jamie, I sort of wanted to touch on the point about 
the fox hunting documentary that you made back in 1987. Obviously, this is a documentary about hunting, and since then, hunting and the law has changed quite a lot. I mean, in 2005, fox hunting in the United Kingdom became illegal after the Hunting Act of 2004. How do you think this has affected hunting in general? Oh, it's changed it fundamentally. Um, I mean, you know, we won't get into the politics of why the hunting bill went through, but it was because the Labour Party wanted to do it for no other reason, because it was a kick in the teeth for the Conservatives. But I'm not, I, I'm not here to discuss the, the whys and wherefores of hunting. I don't think, I don't think we want to get into political no. argument. But the point, the fact remains is that hunting has actually become more popular, not less popular. Uh, but it has changed for, to a great extent. So although hunting with hounds, a live quarry, is now illegal, hunting still continues and is still extremely well supported throughout the country. And just explain um, what live quarry means. Well, just actually hunting a wild animal. Mm-hmm. Excluding the rabbit. <laughs> and how anybody tells the difference between a rabbit and a hare at distance, I have no idea, because hunting a rabbit is legal and hunting a hare isn't illegal. And that was a famous case, a famous uh, programme on uh, a news night when Jeremy Paxman asked a certain anti-spokesman, well, how on earth are we going to tell the difference between a rabbit and a hare at distance? It is a pernicious and ridiculous bill. Mm. But uh, politics decrees that I doubt it will be reformed in the immediate or near future. And do you think that it needs to be reformed? Well, that's a that's a question that is, you know, it's a contentious question, isn't mm. it? All I will say is that when hunting was carried out before the ban, legally uh, and properly and to a proper code of conduct, what would happen is that the most likely animals to perish, and very few did, but the most likely ones to perish were the old, the weak and the infirm. So hunting, in effect, as it used to be, used to promote the species and keep it healthy, controlled, but at a level that everybody could accept. And all I will say is, it, in my opinion, it, the fox is worse off now than he was before the ban. And so just to explain to people in the equestrian world who are possibly thinking about going hunting but aren't too sure about the legality of things, um, if they were to turn up for their first ever day's hunting, just can you just explain how the hunting day would go from um, the terms of the huntsman, the hounds and the fox? Well, he, first of all, the only person that is hunting is the huntsman. He is in charge of the hounds and it is his job to control them and to do the hunting. So the first thing to say to people when they first go hunting is the first thing you would say is you're going to go and enjoy yourself. At whatever level you go, however brave you are, the only reason for going is to have a fantastic day out because you are very fortunate in that you are being given access to land and countryside which otherwise you would not be ha- have the opportunity to cross yeah so if you're going um you you, you must be uh, um, under no illusion that you are just a member of the field you're a member of the followers and that is what you will be doing you will be following somebody in charge 
who is usually called the field master. And whatever level you want to be, and whether you want to be extremely brave and thrusting, or very quiet and reserved and potter along at the back and go through the gateways, that is your choice. And usually there is the opportunity to do as much or as little as you want in the hunting field. Yeah. So if you were to say to anyone, any first timers um, going out hunting, what would be a rundown of the most important do's and don'ts before they go? Well, the first thing they need to do is to decide who they're going with and ring the secretary. Right. And talk to the secretary and say, okay, what's the deal? And very important to explain to them, say, look, I've never done it before, so I'm a bit nervous, I'm not quite sure what to do. And usually the secretary, most times, is very nice and very cooperative. And they'll probably sort somebody else, somebody out to accompany you or to look after you. Yeah. Um, hopefully they'll do that. <laughs> and if they don't, when you get there, try and find somebody that looks nice and looks like what they know what they're doing. <laughs> and usually you can find out somebody who knows what they're doing and say to them, please, can I tag along with you? Because I've never done this before. Yeah. Now, so, so, so that's the first thing. You want to enjoy yourself and you want to be able to do the level at which you feel comfortable at. And which your horse, because you may, your horse may not be experienced in the hunting field. Some horses react to it in a very <coughs> excitable way. Uh, um, but hopefully your horse will behave themselves reasonably well. Horses tend the first time out to sort of be a little bit shell-shocked. And then it's the second time out you find out whether they're really going to get excited or not. Yeah. Uh, or misbehave. Um, but going back to... Um, so you've decided to go hunting. And I think the first thing to be very aware of is that we are all very privileged to go hunting. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic um, opportunity, as I said, to cross country you wouldn't otherwise cross. So I think it's important that you make an effort to turn yourself out smartly and to turn your horse out smartly. Now, if it's a lawn meet, then and, and it will be shown on the card, and remember to ask the secretary, is this a lawn meet? Mm. Then you are, well, requested to plat your horse. And that's purely in, in respect to the person giving the meat because the person giving the meat has probably spent 100 and 150 pounds on port and mince pies and, and sausage rolls and, Ooh. you know, and, 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 and the port alone has probably cost them at least 100 quid. Yeah. So, so, you know, they've put on, made a big effort to give you a nice meat. So I think it's important that you, and if you want to discuss dress in more detail, we can, but that you try and turn yourself and your horse out smartly and that you arrive in plenty of time and you find out where to park. Yeah. I see so many people trying to park right at the meet and that is not good etiquette. Find out where you're meant to park and it's a very good idea to park a little bit away away. So once you've got yourself ready and on board, you've got a nice little hack to the meet just to take the exuberance maybe yeah. out of your horse and, and to get him get him or him or her settled. And as you've said a few times, obviously the most important thing about going hunting is to, of course, enjoy yourself. Yes. And the first part of the hunting day, especially for a lawn meet, as you've already said, is the sausage rolls and the port. <laughs> and that yes. is absolutely one of my favourite parts of the day. What would you say was one of your favourite parts of a hunting day? Oh, 
Well, it depends. You see, it depends, Frankie, whether you are a member of the field mm -hmm. or the master or the field master. Right. So, when I was as the master, master, the most favourite, the most, the most, the best moment of the day was when it finished, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, hopefully, successfully, you know, there was all the stress and the strain and the worry because a master has an awful lot of work to do to pot on a day's hunting. Do not underestimate yeah. the amount of work. And I would say to everybody, please, when you go home and when you've had enough, make sure you find out who the master of the day is and say to him personally, thank you, master, very much. Yeah. Because a lot of work has gone into that day. He may have 60, 70, 80 landowners, people that have a horse in a paddock, people that have got a dog and a cat, yeah. all sorts of people that he wants to not to upset in the day's hunting. So that they so, can use the land in the future. Exactly. So PR yeah. and good manners and good communication is vital. And if you say thank you to the master, it is much appreciated. So during your obviously many years hunting, did you enjoy your best days as a field master or in the field? Oh, I think probably. Well, it's a difficult one because when a, when a, a, we had one day when... Lucinda Green came as Ooh, a guest. Celebrity I've known name. Lucinda for many. Yeah, you know, it's a bit of name dropping. <laughs> you know, but to have a six-time badminton champion yeah. hunting with you, and I had to find her two horses. Is it and not that seven? Was, seven that times, was, No, six-time okay. badminton champion. <laughs> and um, uh, I, I had gone into a lot of trouble with the huntsman to try and work, really work it out so that we may got the hounds to go that way so we could jump those fences. Wow. And everything went well I mean it was just one of those days that everything went according to plan and I lay in the bath that evening and I'd left the ground 80 times and <laughs> Lucinda wrote an article in the in the in the um, horse and hound afterwards and she started it you know crawling and horse and plow question mark what plow <laughs> I never went on plow all day that was a tactical movement from your half well we were just very lucky everything <laughs> went extremely well and and it was a wonderful day so occasionally everything went fantastically well oh. I probably would say that I was lucky enough to have an ex Hunter Chaser Pointer Pointer given to me by the Dunsden family who'd been around Aintree he was the most wonderful horse and I took him a couple of times to the Portman mm. um, down in Dorset. And the bigger the, the hedge and the ditch, the more he liked it. And I had a wonderful day one down there following the field master, who was very good. And that was a red letter day. Wow. Um, you know, and you write, you read a few hunting books called the red letter days. And there are a few that, that I can remember in my mind where you just galloped a lot and jumped a lot and it was wonderful fun and what is it that gives you that buzz and that most memorable day like i always think that when you're on a really good run and you can hear the hounds screaming and you're jumping fence after fence and it's basically like a really really long cross-country course and you're part I, I really enjoy passing other people which is always a great thrill <laughs> <laughs> the slower people what about you what is it that makes it so special well, I think, I think when you are young and fit or not so young and reasonably fit and you <laughs> ride to a reasonable step and you're well-mounted, uh, hounds flying across country and 
following a good because at the end of the day you must follow the field master yeah and there's one thing i would say to anybody particularly if you are keen to be near the front and to be really challenging yourself you must watch that field master like a hawk yeah and as soon as he moves you move you're on it you know some field masters that they don't they're not going to wait for you Mm. But if you want to have a really good day, watch him or her. And as soon as they go, you go. You know, the great, you know, Joss Hambury, for example, Quorn and, and Cotsmore fame, you know, wonderful field masters um, who, who, who are just a, a fantastic people to, to follow. You know, Joss will, will take you over. He knows the country inside out. And you, you will have a wonderful day. And if the hounds are screaming in front of you and flying, so much the better it is. It is a real thrill. Yeah. And yes, you know, it's like I had one day with the Cheshire once before the ban and we'd had a pretty poor day and the, the masters, I'm terribly sorry, ladies and gentlemen, even though the field master had still given us a lot of fun and we were just about to go home and suddenly a, a bushy gentleman jumped up from nowhere. It was getting dark. Suddenly there was scent. And for 20 minutes, we galloped and jumped. Oh. And I was on a good grade two cell francais behind a very well-mounted field master. And by my jump, that was some thrill. Did you leave so, everyone in your wake? Well, there wasn't a lot left at the end, <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> That's good to hear. And so, obviously, you have been so fortunate to have visited loads of different hunts. If you were to suggest um, a couple of hunts, uh, sort of a guide to visiting, if people wanted to go out to some jumping hunts, which would be your top three? (laughs) (laughs) I'm pushing you now. Well, I I would say to... to, I I don't think I can answer... I'm not going to answer that straight to start with because I think it's very important. If you take a horse a long way for a day's hunting... And then, and let's say they're in the lorry for two or three hours, and it, it takes a lot out of them, mm. a great deal out of them. It, 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 you know, you will, you won't go hunting for another two weeks if you want to look after that horse for the season. Mm. Um, try and hunt with your local hunt. Start with your local hunt. Yeah. Now, if your local hunt doesn't tickle your fancy, then and if and you are a bold and very good rider and well mounted then you'll probably look further afield. Probably, although you might be in a very smart hunt country. Now, hunts have... They're a bit like... I don't know, a bit like schools. They have their ups and their downs. (laughs) Um, Some hunts um, are... are, I mean, the the one that will always come to mind because you are following um, very, very um, well-mounted gentlemen in very good country is Mike Felton in, with the Blackmore Spark for Vale down in the, on the Somerset-Dorset borders. That's Joss Hanbury uh, up with the corn. Um, the Menel are a very good hunt and big country. The Beavers are quite big country. Um, you know, they're, they're the creme de la creme. Yeah. Now, the problem, though, is there are an awful lot of people out, and that's where you need to be very careful. Horses... <clears throat> Some horses, they get in what I call the ruck, and there are a lot of horses around them. The, 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 the brain starts um, overtaking the body, and horses can get very, very, very strong and very on their forehand and very, you know, they start racing and, mm. and being a bit silly. So you need to be sure of your horse. There's also, if you are going to go to those hunts, Sometimes, and more often than not, it's probably the sensible thing, start off by being 
a bit circumspect. Yeah. Because you don't know what's coming. There's plenty of time, and a horse to do a whole day is asking an awful lot, particularly if you cover a lot of country and it's a good scenting day. So perhaps start off nearer the back, have a look, see what's going on, find somebody who's quite well mounted with you who is, you know, is going to jump those jumps. Get yourself going, and then if all goes well, then you can get a bit braver and get a bit closer to the front. But I would advise, it's a bit like driving in Paris. <laughs> Don't get too close to the car in front of you, because the Parisians tend to brake very suddenly, go left and right very suddenly, and do unexpected going. things. Exactly the same thing will happen in the hunting field. And I can remember one day being told down in the Portman, for goodness sake, stayed in the front fire, because there were some awfully... Uh, wild and uncontrollable people out and the only time I was forced back into the ruck I got brought down at a ditch uh, a ditch and a hedge um, uh, uh, because the lady hit me in mid-drift as I took off oh my goodness. at 90 degrees so be, be very aware try and keep space in front of you when you come to a fence so you've got time to pull out or to stop if the person in front of you makes a complete mess of things so just be aware and the, as the day goes on, as the field thins out, then the opportunities may present themselves to get more bold and be further up with, with the pace. Now, we, or you mentioned earlier um, a fantastic day you had with Lucinda Green once. Have you, um, are there any other hunts where you might be able to spot some celebrity event riders or showing riders, um, hunts that are famous for them? Now, that's a good question. I, I um, uh, the trouble is with these professional riders these days, they, they, they ride very expensive horses. <laughs> um, eventers traditionally don't make very good hunters because they learn to hunt, uh, not that I don't thoroughly recommend hunting for, for, for horses, because it's a very good education for a young horse, mm. particularly early in the season when not much is going on. There's nothing better than for a young horse just to stand around well, in an early morning with hounds about and, and people just just relaxing and to understand that when he goes into a field he isn't going to immediately gallop off at full speed. Yeah. You know, horses need to learn that this isn't always maximum throttle um, and it's good education for them. But going back to your question, I think you will find more celebrities, <laughs> as you call them, with the smarter hunts. You know, if you go if you go and hunt with the the Beaufort, for example, there will be characters like Mike Tucker out. Uh, Mike uh, has been a hunt has been a field master with the for the Beaufort for many years, and now is on point and just keeping an eye out for anything that's going wrong. Um, um, and and up as I said, up in the Quorn and the Cotswold, there is probably a few um, celebrities, but. But there aren't many mm. uh, event riders and show jumpers that do much because their horses are very valuable. Uh, they're also very busy people having to ride horses all the time, so they don't really get the time. Yeah. And we did, you know, we just spoke about some fantastic, uh, the famous hunts going for big jumping days. Have you been on many um, visiting, visiting many hunts where it's sort of the total opposite? Like I obviously live uh, on the Welsh borders and the hunting mm. around here is very different to the kind of hunting you'd get with the Beaufort or the Beaver. Have you been able to experience any hunting like that? Oh, definitely, definitely. And, and it's, you know, it's lovely to stand on the top of a hill sometimes 
and see hounds below you working away and working out their trail and hunting away steadily. You know, and you just sit on your horse, enjoy the scenery, enjoy the day, enjoy being out. Um, and, you know, not going flat out. Hunting isn't just about going flat out. It's a, there's a great deal more than that. It's the social. It's getting the horse ready. It's, enjoy, it's, it's meeting people and socialising at the meet. It's riding with people and, and talking about, you know, whatever you want to talk about, whether it's your horse or the countryside or what happened at the races yesterday or whatever. It is, it is an experience. You are part of, like, there's a group of like-minded people and you're all there to have fun. And whatever your kick is, whether you just want to ride around the country, which is fine. If you don't want to leave the ground, there are plenty of gates to go through. People will, I'm sure, look, there will be people who won't be jumping, so you can follow them if you want. I've also been hunting in, in France, for example, where I've been wow. boar and stag hunting. Never left the ground. <laughs> Uh, I mean, those French, those froggies are absolute <laughs> lunatics. But I mean, we there was one boar hunt I went on. We covered thirty-three kilometres oh on one hunt, all in forest. Wow. So if you if you just want to go, um, if you want to leave this country and see hunting at the, a real quarry, mm. you can go to France. You can go to Ireland. I've been I've been hunted in in Ireland where it's banks and ditches. Mm. A totally different experience. Yeah. Quite a scary um, experience, I imagine. Oh, very. I mean, terrifying. Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. You jump up on a bank and there's this huge chasm. But you have to remember in Ireland, and it's a very different way of jumping. They're like cats, these sorts. You have to leap up like cats yeah. and then leap off. And you must hold your neck strap, push your lower leg forward, sit up, and let the horse do it underneath you. Probably old-fashioned style. Well, well, it's, it's, the next strap is vital. And I would suggest <laughs> to anybody that went hunting, always have a neck strap. Okay, that's fantastic advice because I never take a neck strap and I do fall <laughs> off a fair amount at hunting. Maybe that's why. <laughs> now, I have a little game for you, Jamie. Oh, God. Um, and I feel that it is a good time to introduce my new game, which I have called Frankie's Celebrity Challenge. Oh. <laughs> Today's challenge, Jamie, will involve you trying to guess the name and the meaning of each hunting horn tune that I play. Okay? <laughs> Are you good on the hunting horn? No, I'm not playing the hunting horn. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I've got some recordings. Um, this is the first time I'm doing this, so I hope uh, that the listeners will be able to hear the quality, and I really hope you'll be able to hear the quality. And that is no excuse, may I just add. <laughs> um, how, before we start, I've got yeah. eight, one, two, three, four, five, I've got oh. eight hunting tunes to play you. Right. Can you think of eight? Uh, not offhand, but no. uh, give, me, uh, uh, give, it, give it a go and I'll see how okay, I get on. Okay, right. Let's see how we get on. Let's see how many out of eight you get. I will be impressed if you, I don't know, I'll be impressed if you get five, I think. <laughs> Right, here goes the first right. one. Let's see how this works. That is going home. Blowing for home. Fantastic. Yay. Okay, that's the first one. And what does that mean? Why would it, it means it's we're going home, end of the day. You've had your you've had your fun, chaps. And um, it's tea time. Brilliant. Right, okay. Number two.
Any ideas? I think that's gone to ground, but it might be the kill. I'm not sure. Oh, Jamie, you've got to make a choice. Gone to ground. Yes. That's two out of two so far. I'm quite impressed. And obviously that means when the hunted fox has gone to ground. Yep, correct. Okay. And you'll hear that in Ireland yeah. and in America, but you won't hear it in England now. Yes, well said. Okay, number three, here we go. That's an interesting one. I would call that um, um, calling your hounds back. Stop rioting. Oh, I think I'm going to have to give you that one. That's stopping the hounds. Yeah, stop rioting. I.e. wants to stop them and get them back to him. He's not happy with what they're hunting. My gosh, this is three out of three. Come on, right, number four. Let's see if you can get this one. I've never heard that before, oh. but I would say that is it, that is um, putting hounds into cover. Uh, yes, drawing. Drawing. So how, how on earth did you know that if you haven't heard it before? Well, different huntsmen have different tunes. Yeah. And I've heard different people do different things, but that is... <laughs> That is meant to be encouraging the hounds in to find their quarry. Exactly. Gosh, okay, we're halfway through. Here we go, number five. That is the kill. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Jamie, you're exceeding my expectations. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number six, we're nearly at the end. That is calling uh, that, well, there are two reasons. There's two calls that could be. One is calling his terrier man, or two is calling his whipper in. Ah, yes, exactly. Well, the definition actually said that it's a signal call specific for each huntsman. So, yes, calling the whip or the terrier man. Right, two left. I am absolutely shocked. Come on, Jamie, you've got to make this eight out of eight. <laughs> Here we go. Gone away. Sorry? Gone away, yes. leaving cover. Yes, brilliant. Hounds are, the, the quarry has left the cover and the huntsman is blowing them away. And that is a very important call to the field master because the field master is holding the field back and the field, he hears that, he knows the hounds are about to go. Gosh, you know everything, Jamie. No, 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 you really I have been doing it a long time. Okay, here we go. Can you make it eight out of eight? I think this one's a tricky one, but we shall see. Well, I would say that is calling hounds out of cover. Oh, Jamie Hawksfield! <laughs> I can't believe it! You know every single one! <laughs> well, I have to say, being a bit of an anorak, I can remember as a young man 
my parents gave me a 78 record, and that is vinyl, that is before, way before you were even a twinkle in your parents' eye, and I used to play it in my playroom and listen to all the calls. <laughs> oh my goodness, so would you say anyone who wants to become a future field master or master has to go and get that record? Well, it's, I've actually still got it in my office here, wow. uh, but it's, it is a real antique. And there's probably nothing to play it on these days. I am so happy that the first episode of Frankie's Celebrity Challenge goes 8 out of 8. I don't see how anyone can possibly beat that. That's amazing. <laughs> right, so Jamie Hawksfield, our current leader in Frankie's Celebrity Challenge on the Keyflow podcast. Jamie, thank you so much for giving us your time and talking to us about hunting. It's been really fascinating. Um, and I hope that it's inspired lots of people to go out hunting. Well, uh, Frankie, it, the most important thing is to say to people, do not be afraid to go. It's a, it's a fantastic thing to do. You can do what you want. You don't have to throw yourself over big hedges or big jumps. You can go the, the standard you want to go. But, but support hunting. Hunting is part of the rural framework. And by going along, you will become part of a, of a friendly lot of like-minded people. And all of a sudden, social things open up and you go to part balls and parties and do's in the pub, just quizzes, goodness knows what. It is a great way to um, spend your time and enjoy your recreation. Absolutely. Brilliant. I hope that you found today's podcast not only interesting, but also helpful. We've been so lucky to have someone as knowledgeable and fun to listen to as Jamie. So thanks again. Now, if there's anything at all that we've left unanswered in today's Keyflow podcast, or you've got any questions, then please don't hesitate to get in touch with me, and I will endeavour to answer anything along with Jamie's help. You can reach me at frweventing.com, or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at frweventing. Now, make sure that you don't ever miss out on any future Keyflow podcasts, and hit that subscribe button on your podcast player of choice. Or you can follow the link on the Keyflow Feeds website, keyflowfeeds.com. We've already had some great informative guests and there are so many more to come. So make sure you don't miss out. My aim is to bring you up-to-date information on all things equestrian and to make it as fun and easy to listen to at the same time with the help of my celebrity guests. I'm your host, Frankie Reed warlow See you next time.